Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Guys, I have another good one for you today. My guest is Nicole Sodoma. Nicole is a marriage-loving divorce attorney who never expected to go through a divorce herself. As a child of divorced parents who saw the trials and tribulations in her daily work, She thought she kind of had all the knowledge to keep her marriage happy and healthy, but fast forward to one day, she decided to choose herself, her happiness and her future over her 13 year marriage. In her first book, Please Don't Say You're Sorry, an empowering perspective on marriage, separation and divorce from a marriage loving divorce attorney, Nicole tells her story and what she wishes she knew before getting married and then divorce. She is witty, she is honest, she is relatable, and we're going to dive into it all in today's episode. Nicole is super passionate about giving people a reality check, and that reality check is divorce is a possibility in any marriage, which, if you think about it, is true. You never think it's going to be you until it is. I love talking to Nicole, and I am really excited to bring this conversation to you, so let's dive right in. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. I am so excited for this conversation today. I was going through all of your stuff and it was like, wow, you have quite the story, right? And I think that's where the best support comes from, right? We end up creating support and better support based on our own experiences, right? Because there's, you know, being the expert on the outside and living it in real life. I don't know about you, but I've realized it can be two different things. 100%, two different things. I've been a family law attorney or domestic attorney or divorce attorney. All those words are interchangeable. And I've been doing that for a little over 20 years. And I also grew up in a family where divorce was our normal, whatever the word normal means. But it wasn't until I actually got divorced that I really got this whole new perception. So I had all these different lenses with which to see what was happening And there's so many things that I didn't know and so many things that I felt like my clients had not told me. I'd learned so much from them over time, but I felt like they had not told me. And there were so many things that lawyers aren't telling their clients about the divorce process and blended families and the good and the bad and the ugly. As lawyers, we're so focused on resolution that I feel like we don't talk enough about those moments along the way. I've always considered like divorce, I'd never wanted it to feel like an end. I wanted it to feel like a beginning because really what your lawyer should be doing is setting you up for a more successful future. 
but we don't all look at it that way. And every single case and every single family is so different. So I feel really, it's kind of weird to say fortunate to have all of these lenses, but it also impacts so many people, like whether we like it or not, whatever our opinion of divorce and remarriage or being a step parent or whatever it is, whatever your opinion is, like it's all around us. So I hope to sort of take the taboo out of it. And I know that that sounds so stereotype and generic to say, but now having experienced it, I do see and feel the taboo in all of it, which is so strange in today's age. So thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to learning something together with you. Yeah, for sure. Now I want to back up for a second. You were saying that your perspective changed when you became divorced. Oh, yes. What was the biggest thing that you were like, oh, about? I've always said that the people you marry are not the people you divorce. I said it like all the time for a long time. I've always said that, but I didn't experience it. I went into my divorce with this naive idea that you can still love someone and like someone and decide that you're not as good of spouses as you can be as parents, and that the feelings that I was receiving from the other person were going to be better, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that was probably my biggest eye opening moment. I really thought that we would get along well on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been the case. So that's been part of a learning experience. The other thing has been that how much I had shoved down and not acknowledged out loud, like I might have been holding on to it, but that you shove down for the sake of your marriage and for the sake of your children. And I didn't even realize what was being shoved down until I got through the process. So those are probably my biggest. Yeah. You know, I find when we talk about co-parenting, step-parenting, whatever, you know, if you're an expert looking in, it's really easy to say, well, this is how it should be. Or, you know, let's focus on resolution. Let's not Mm -hmm. focus on the past and things that have happened. Like, let's try to move forward in a positive way. And it is so easy to say those things. But when you're feeling all of the emotions, and I think for me, you know, that was the big difference because I used to work with a lot of families who were dealing with custody and access, who were, you know, having child protection issues, trying to co-parent, all the things. And I would say this when I didn't have kids and I wasn't a stepmom. And then when I got into the role as a stepmom, I was like, whoa, you don't know what it feels like until you know what it feels like. It's easy to talk about. I mean, I could get... It's easy to be the expert (laughs) when you have no freaking experience (laughs) dealing with it. (laughs) Yes. Or until, you know, one of my eye-opening moments was I thought I was prepared for it, but I have three boys and I was on a football field. I had been on the soccer field, then I went to the football field. And the first time that it really sunk in that my kids were leaving with another family and like the words that they shared with me, the looks you know, it was me and it was one of my dogs <laughs> and they were leaving with a new set of grandparents, step grandparents and who looks and feels like a stepmom and their dad. And boy, I was like, there were no words for that day. And that was not something that I was prepared for. My theory also has always been in the sense of a blended family, like the more people that love your children, the better. Mm -hmm. But everybody has to have that same attitude for it to work. (laughs) And that is a very mature, responsible, love your kids more than you dislike the other parent attitude, because you really have to put aside the feelings that 
resulted from either your marriage or the end of your marriage. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that everybody is capable of that. It requires a lot from you as a human. And I love researching and learning. And you don't hear very often lawyers talking about emotions and feelings, but I'm reading, have you read Brene Brown's Alice of the Heart? Have you read that? No, but I'm going to consider this a sign because I was just talking to someone about how I was in the bookstore and I almost picked it up for the summer and then mm. I didn't because I had a lot of books in my hand. Yes. But now I'm going to because literally there's a few people. Consider it a sign. Yeah. <laughs> it breaks down feelings. It gives you words that you might not be using or that you might be using differently. Mm-hmm. And being able to put those words together, oh my gosh, it's been really good. Yeah. And I don't reference it in my book, but I reference some of her other work with regards to apologies and saying you're sorry when someone's going through a divorce. But it's always so interesting to learn how you can support each other and what people are going through when they're experiencing divorce, because they all experience it differently. It is not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm, 100%. And thinking back to say the soccer field, right? It's very easy to say, the more people who love my kids, the better. Right. You know, it's not about me. It's about the kids moving forward. And that's all 100% true. And you can believe that to your core, but seeing your kids walk away with another family will still make you feel like you've been punched in the gut. And I think that's where people really need to understand that this is complicated. And there's a lot of pressure now to have this really, you know, I talk about this a lot, this hearts and sparkles, co-parenting relationship, matching soccer jerseys, all the things. There is a lot of healing and a lot of personal growth that needs to happen with all parties in order to get to that place. And not everyone can do that. So then there becomes this like guilt and shame around like having a higher conflict co-parenting relationship or maybe your parallel parenting. But that's actually the healthiest option for everyone involved because just of where everyone's at in their healing process. But getting everyone to understand that because some personalities don't even see that as an option. Mm -hmm. So I say like when I wrote the book to sort of pull back the curtain, if you will, on what really happens. A close friend of mine last night said she finally got around to reading it. She's had it for two weeks and she said she's been sitting on it waiting. And she said the first thing she did after she read like the first four chapters when she called her husband and she's like, I love you. (laughs) In the first half of the book, it's about identifying who you are in your relationship, knowing what that looks like, how you're going to be as a co-parent or parallel parent. Because when you do separate, it's not like that person becomes somebody else. If they were difficult to parent with before you separated, they're going to be difficult after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to change them. So knowing what that looks like on the other side and thinking about, and I want people to think about when they make this decision to separate, how are you going to handle that feeling, that gut punch when your kids walk off the field with another family? Because statistics say they probably are going to do that at some point. And how are you going to manage it? And if you're the only one managing it and the other parent isn't, how are you going to manage that? Because you can't control anybody but yourself and how you respond to other people. Mm -hmm. So like that's a real life lesson. That's a real life experience. And that was one of the things I think that surprised me most about myself. Like here I am like 20 years of being a divorce lawyer 
coaching and consulting clients who are going through this process. And I don't know that we ever once in any of my cases talked about hundreds and hundreds of cases about what that's going to feel like when you walk off the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's in everything, right? So I've been practicing for 20 something years and I opened a law firm 13 or 14 years ago. And one of the things I used to do with all of our young lawyers or the lawyers who choose not to have children is I'll take them into a preschool. And so I want them to eyeball the things they see in the preschool. So when you walk in the door, there's a code. What if the code changes? Who communicates the code? All right, the next thing you see is you see car seats. Are there two car seats per family? Is the car seat left here for the other parent at the end of the day? And then we go through the next door and there's artwork on the board and there's a sign up for parent-teacher conferences, because even preschool has parent-teacher conferences sometime, right? So who gets the artwork if one parent is never the one who picks up? How is the other parent going to know about the sign-up for the parent-teacher conference? Because when you, as a lawyer, when you're drafting a parenting schedule, whether you're parallel parenting or co-parenting, like these are the little nuances that you have to think about in a blended family or in a family with one parent or especially one working parent Like you have to be thinking about how all of those logistics are going to work or you are going to miss out. Mm -hmm. 100%. So just because you're not experiencing what being a parent is like, like making sure that the lawyer you choose, making sure that you've thought through how this process is really going to work. Yeah. Because it's not just ending a marriage, it's beginning a new life that you need to be prepared for. Yeah. It's like creating a business, right? Like when you create a business and you have more team members come on, you have to, you know, figure out your systems and like, who's going to do what, who's responsible for doing what, how is things going to work? But stepmoms will always reach out to me and they'll say, Hey, we're reevaluating the agreement. What should we include? And I'm always like, think back to every single argument that you guys have had over the last however many years or months or whatever. And create a solution for that. You know, I remember when Darren and I first got together, you know, their agreement, like no offense to whoever made it, but it was quite vague because I know that a lot of people get divorced and they're like, you know what? It's okay. We'll figure it out. You know, we want this to be easy. We're amicable, all the things. And I remember Darren and I, when we first got together was all about how amicable they were. He said the word amicable so many times. And I finally said to him, this is before our relationship was, you know, out in the open. I had met the kids, all the things. And I said, and we have an age difference. We have a 13 year age difference. And I said, well, let's just see how amicable you are when, you know, it's found out you have a new girlfriend who's 13 years younger than you. Like, let's just be very realistic about like how this happens. And things did get hard at that time. And I think that's what, when people are getting divorced, they need to remember this, like, you're getting split in an idea of this, like hearts and sparkles. We're going to figure this out, be amicable. But then the emotions come in and the reality comes in and you don't know what's going to happen. So you need to have this backup plan where it's like, who's doing pickup? Who's doing drop off? At what time? Who's responsible for running shoes? How are you going to split running shoes? How are you going to communicate with expenses? Like literally everything And you can be flexible on top of that if everyone agrees. But if you get to the point where you're not getting along, you have this blueprint for how you're going to do it. Without any doubt, like you need to be asking your lawyer the what ifs, like it'll drive you crazy. But one that I notice people, the blueprint is the backup plan. 
I always say like the blueprint is your backup plan. This is the way that it's going to work. If you do not agree, if you're fighting, if you've met somebody new, like you need to be thinking not now, you need to be thinking about what your next partnership is going to look like and how it feels. The one that gets sometimes missed is the reimbursement. When do you communicate? And when is the reimbursement happening? For paid expenses? Oh, yes. Like I remember I had a client. Oh my gosh, this is years ago. The parent had not communicated on any of the uninsured expenses because the order agreement, I can't remember which it was, didn't have a timeline on when it needed to be communicated. So she kept all of them until the child was no longer a minor and then handed them. And it had a 30-day reimbursement period and he had to pay it. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely insane. And he never thought, I guess, I wasn't his lawyer at the time to say, hey, do you have any of those expenses? But she was under no requirement to give it to him 30 days from when she paid it or 30 days from when she had a receipt or whatever. So when on the reimbursements that triggered my memory of making sure that details like that are in there. I would say even when you're getting along before you introduce another human into the equation is when you should resolve your case. Yeah. And make sure all that shit signed. (laughs) Yes. Get it all signed because once another human gets introduced in the state where I practice primarily, you're allowed to date after you separate and before you divorce. Wait, what do you mean you're allowed? Like in some states you're not allowed? So, well, it's not considered adultery, even if you're still married and you're separated. Oh. I can't speak for all states, but I will say there are several states and it used not to be that way. This law changed in the, I think it was the late nineties. It was until you're divorced, it's considered adultery, even if you're separated. The law in my state and several other states now is if you're separated, you can date and it would not be considered adultery, even if you can't get divorced for a year down the road, right? Okay. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm shocked, but I'm with you. Okay. So you could separate today, no longer live under the same roof. Somebody no longer has the intention to be married. You could be negotiating settlement terms, what our parenting schedule is going to look like, what our child support is going to look like, whether there's alimony, how we divide our stuff, that kind of thing, right? And then we could sign documents and a year from now, which is the separation period in a lot of states, we can get a divorce judgment. Well, in that interim, my state and several other states allow you to date without it being considered adultery, right? The law would treat you as if you're unmarried, even though you're still technically married. All right. So my point in sharing that little tidbit is that I had a client, she had not dated in years. The divorce judgment had not been entered yet. There was no rush to get it entered. Neither one of them wanted to remarry. Insurance options change. And the second she went on a date, we were in two-day depositions over the human that she had decided to go on a date with. And the human that she had decided to go on a date with was now the subject of all things. So the date is a total distraction if you're trying to resolve a case. Often the date that becomes public, the new human you introduce into the equation, becomes the subject of the conversation instead of the kids instead of the support payment, instead of, you know, how we're going to divide stuff. So I always tell my clients, like, I'm going to tell you what the law is. I'm going to tell you what you're allowed to do or not allowed to do. 
I can't force you either way, but there are consequences, sometimes unintended consequences that you will experience if you go through the separation process. You might not even see them coming. And that's just one of those examples of things that you might not see coming because so much of that period through separation might feel foggy or you might feel like something that you normally would have done isn't a big deal because you normally would have done it. But now all of a sudden it is a big deal. So that's one of my cautionary tales. That's wild. It is. Now I'm just confused. So in Canada, there's no fault divorce. Are you guys no fault divorce too? We are now. So then what's it matter if there was adultery or not? Like, how does that even play a role? So in our state and other states, it might impact whether someone's entitled to alimony. So if you cheated, you don't get alimony. If you are a dependent spouse, right? You're the person who would be normally entitled to receive support and you commit adultery in our state, you could be barred from receiving alimony. I'm on bar with that. I agree with that, I think. I mean, well, you know, it's like a slap your hand. You shouldn't have done that. Somebody else is paying for you, providing your lifestyle, even though it was our money. And the reverse happens if you are the supporting spouse in our state and some other states and you commit adultery, you have to pay alimony. And if both of you do it, it's like neither happened. It sort of washes each other out. Oh, that gets messy, eh? Oh, it's so messy. And then there are defenses to it. And this always trips people up too. And the idea that you condoned the behavior. So did you condone the behavior of adultery? You know, those are the questions. Like when I have a consult, I always say like, this is the safest place for you to tell me what's happening. And usually if there is adultery and they're not comfortable telling me in that first hour, I will usually get a call a couple of days later. But you have to give all the information and then the call come and say, hey, Nicole, I need to tell you something. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Wow. It's just interesting how it's different. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, being a no-fault state, and we are a no-fault state too, and as you described, you're no-fault, adultery doesn't mean you don't get divorced. There are all these other things that we have to deal with, like the actual getting divorced might be that you're no longer legally married and you're free to marry someone else. That's one of those questions you have to ask your attorney. It might not address alimony, custody, support, um, the division of assets, property distribution or equitable distribution, wherever you live. So you could get divorced and all these things still be pending, or you could resolve all these things and the divorce judgment not yet be entered. So they are usually separate claims. So when you say to somebody, or I think I said, when we started our podcast, like I'm a family law attorney, a divorce attorney, just depending on what you want to call me. But the reality is, is the divorce part is like a period at the end of a sentence. It's a punctuation mark. It's like the smallest fraction of what I do. So when you ask the question, how much does a divorce cost? In my head, I'm thinking, okay, are we dealing with custody? Are we, do we have a blended family? Is there another family that we need to coordinate with parenting schedules? I'm thinking about support. I'm thinking about how we're dividing property. Usually homes are the biggest asset. I'm thinking about options of refinancing and how we're going to distribute the estate. And then I'm thinking that that divorce judgment at some point is going to get entered. But that's usually not the hardest part of my job. So, you know, the divorce itself should be fairly monumental 
in someone's life, right? But fairly painless as it relates to entering the judgment. It's sort of strange. Isn't that strange? Yeah, it's complicated. God, I hope I never get divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I would say, you know, my husband can't afford another divorce, so we're good. (laughs) Well, I'm a marriage-loving divorce attorney, so I love the idea of marriage. And, you know, I don't think that divorce is right for everybody, but I also don't think marriage is right for everybody. But, you know, having the knowledge before you take the step, knowing how you deal with conflict together, knowing what you're willing to do, for each other and for the relationship, like knowing all those things up front can really dictate how things are going to go in your marriage. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving, who also help support the show. In the summer, we are on the go a lot. And whenever we come home, I always tell my husband how excited I am to get back and sleep in our bed. Now that it's fall and we're home more and back in routine, I am so excited to be able to sleep in my bed every night. The reason? The sheets. My bamboo sheets and duvet cover from Cozy Earth are heaven on earth. So soft, so comfortable, and even Oprah has described this bedding as the softest ever. Here's the lowdown. I get hot at night and regularly get the night sweats. These sheets are temperature regulating, which has made such a difference for me. Certified free of harmful chemicals, easy to wash, won't pill, and have a 10-year warranty. I cannot recommend these bamboo sheets enough. Of course, I have a code for you, CozyJamie40 for 40% off the entire site. Investing in good sheets makes such a difference in your sleep. When you go to good sleep, you show up as a better version of yourself in the morning, you're refreshed, energized, focused, and you look better. Good sleep is the foundation for my self-care. You deserve it and the people in your life deserve it. Cozy Jamie 40 for 40% off the entire site. And if you're looking for sleepwear or loungewear, I also highly recommend the Bamboo Jogger set. The quality and comfort is uncomparable. Cozy Jamie 40 for 40% off the entire site. Go to jamiescrimger.com forward slash cozy earth. I am so excited to share this product with you and welcome Element as the latest sponsor of the podcast. I started using Element about a year ago now and it has become a staple in my daily routine. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mixed with everything you need and nothing that you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. It contains a science-based electrolyte ratio with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is for everyone. It is used by many Olympic athletes, dozens of professional teams and players in the NBA, NHL, NFL, and those focused on everyday health, like moms and exercise enthusiasts, and even those who want a dynamite no sugar margarita using Element's citrus salt. Yes, I said margarita, and I'm talking about myself. My favorite flavor is the watermelon, raspberry is a close second, and of course I love the citrus when I'm making my marks. You can get a free Element sample pack with any purchase, and it contains a package of every flavor so you can try them all. DrinkElement.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get this gift with purchase, and you won't find this offer publicly. 
drinkelement.com forward slash kickassstepmom. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash kickassstepmom. Element offers no question to ask, refunds on all orders, and you don't even have to send it back. Day in and day out, Element has literally changed the way I feel, and I cannot wait for you to try it. Drinkelement.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get a free sample pack with purchase. You have some advice for healing a damaged marriage. So I would love to dive into that because you do say, you know, everyone could get a divorce. Like you don't know what's going to happen down the road. What if you're in this like situation where you're like, ah, like healing a damaged marriage, give us the advice that you have so that we don't have to go through all this. Resources, you know, start early, start before the damage happens. Understanding early how you're going to deal with conflict. What are you going to do when you reach an impasse? Understanding what that looks like for each of you. Because the reality is it takes two people, and I say this all the time too, it takes two people to say I do and only one person to say I don't. Only one person can end a marriage. And it could be anyone. This is always like my table talk when I'm out to dinner with friends. Everyone's appalled that I think like this, but your marriage may be perfect to you, but to the other person, they may be growing differently than you are. They may be evolving. And I mean, we talk about adultery because that's what a lot of people talk about, but we talk about, you know, think about drug use and alcohol abuse and gender transformations and preferences And if you were to have a mental illness that you weren't aware of before, all of these things that you might not have seen when you said, I do, somebody could come home and say, you know what? I'm not happy. There's another version of my life that I want to live. And it doesn't have to do with anybody else. It just has to do with me. And so not burying your head in the sand. Don't be afraid to talk about finances. I get this question all the time about, do you believe in premarital agreements? I'm less worried about you signing a premarital agreement and more worried about whether you've had the conversation about signing a premarital agreement. Because if you're having the conversation, it means you're disclosing your finances and you're talking about what a budget means to you and what you're saving for and what you want it to look like. I was a terrible client, by the way, terrible. I was, you know, running a law firm. I wanted nothing to do with my home finances. I didn't know where our bank accounts were. Oh, I knew one, no, two. Uh, But in general, like uh, my hands were off all of our home finances. So do what I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, healing should start before the damage starts. And it takes so much work and being able to communicate and not bury your head in the sand from the very beginning. Like I said, like understanding what that impasse is going to look like. And also when I say resources, when I started dating again, after I got divorced, even with COVID, there were great online resources. So many counselors went to online, but there were also programs that you can do with your significant other, with your partner that really create the questions that you could be communicating about. And I know that, you know, sometimes that sounds really mushy and nobody wants to do that. So also knowing like, is your partner going to be into that? What are those values and what are those boundaries and what is the comfort level? Because there's not going to be a lot of healing if both of you are not willing to do the work together. 
Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think it's really important to have those conversations, especially in blended families or especially when you're in second marriages, when there's kids involved. What's the divorce rate? 75%? 75% of second marriages when there's kids involved, 70, 75 or something. And I'm not surprised. Like you have to have these conversations, especially if you've had like two people come in with, this is how they've been doing things. This is how they've been running their families, rules, expectations, parenting values, dealing with exes. Like, I'm just like so grateful that we only have it on Darren's side, right? Like I had never been married before. So we have one ex to deal with. And I'm not saying it's a nightmare. I'm just saying it's not a walk in the park, right? It's still challenging. It always will be challenging. And That's even when it's good, right? Everything is just extra complicated. But we didn't have these conversations before we first got married. And I'm grateful that we only had it on one side because if we had it on two, man, I don't know, right? It's our anniversary today. We're nine years. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Darren's like, happy anniversary. I'm like... (laughs) What a freaking miracle, eh? Like we did it. Like I'm like nine years is a pretty, like, I feel like if we've made it nine years, I'm really proud of us. Like it just gets better every year because you start having those conversations. But, you know, I think it's really important that you have those conversations early on to prevent that extra stress. Yeah. I I had a a friend tell me she's a financial advisor and she said, we maybe should consider having five-year leases on marriages. And then we can re-up oh. every five years. Very true. <laughs> I was like, I get it. But, you know, when you make that commitment, you're making a commitment to somebody who is basically your business partner mm-hmm. and your partner in life and in all things. And, you know, when we take on a new job or you sign an employment contract or a lease agreement or you buy a house, we're asking all these really hard questions. Like, why are we not asking these really hard questions when we're getting married? No, I totally agree. And it's interesting because Darren and I have been talking about how we could do divorces differently. Like that's what we talk about when we're having drinks and chatting at night on our date nights. We're like reevaluating the system because we think it's so flawed. But having even like you were talking about the lawyer, but then also having like a caseworker to look at the individual circumstances of a marriage and then having like a counselor for everyone to go and get counseling and get that support so you can do the emotional work too. Wouldn't that be such a better system? Almost like it should be required. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Cause it would speed the process up. Like the divorce system is crazy. Like how long does it take to go through the whole process where you are? Oh my gosh. I've got clients that I've had for years. Yeah. It's kind of like New Year's Eve. Like it's the hurry up and wait. It's like going to what we have, like the DMV, you know, (laughs) there's this hurry up and wait because you want to beat everyone else. And then you get there and then you have to wait. And the line is atrocious. And your number is like number 163 when you pull the tab or whatever. It is a marathon. Even in small communities, it doesn't happen as quickly as you want it to. So you think you have everything ready. And if you're going to use the court system because you can't agree, like I think of COVID days when the court system shut down and there were people without support. There were people who had not seen their kids. It was insane. It was chaos for people who were in the separation process and without access. And so think about now on the other end of that, how delayed so many things are now and how backed up our system got And that's not just in big cities. It felt like it was global. So it is a marathon process. It shouldn't last as long as it does, but there are so many factors that are beyond your control. And so knowing what you can control 
is the advice that I give because those are the choices that you get to make. You get to choose and recognize what you can control. And I'll tell you, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to write the book too, because here I am living this, knowing what comes next, like exactly what comes next, knowing that if I go to court today, that the order might get entered, but the order also might not get entered for like six months. And so what are we going to do in the interim? Like if I'm a client, I probably don't know that I'm going to go to court today and that it might not be a ruling right from the stand before I go home. Mm -hmm. That might not happen. In fact, a lot of times that doesn't happen, especially in more permanent matters. So one of the incentives to write the book was really understanding that too, the timeline of what a divorce might really look like. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the book. Tell us what readers can expect. Obviously, you're sharing a little bit about the inspiration behind the book. Yes. Give us a lowdown. It's divided into three sections, really, marriage, separation, and divorce, and what to expect. It's got great resources. It's got tough questions at the end of each chapter. I pulled in my experiences, because you can imagine the things that I've heard and consulted over the last 20-something years in the family law practice. I also, I mean, I'm with 23 other practitioners, and most of us do family law, And we did the subtitle, An Empowering Perspective. I want you to feel like you have a better understanding and can make better decisions for you. And if you have a family, you and your family, you and your kids, so that you know what to expect if you're going to stay married or if you're going to be separated. And it's lighthearted. I don't always say the most appropriate things. And so there's a little bit of that. Until I had an HR manager, I used to say that if you were going to work in our practice, that you had to have a sense of humor. She says I'm not allowed to say that anymore. (laughs) I don't know why. Do you know what I say when I'm hiring for our team? I say, you must know the difference between there, there, and there. (laughs) And 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 I'll say like stuff like that, right? And having everything is figureoutable, work ethic or something. And they're like, that's not a word. I'm like, Marie Forleo, come on, right? (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's a word here. Yeah. So there's humor in it. Some of the advice that I got as I was going through it was to give myself a break. Like just take a single day off to take care of yourself, you know, to get out of the fog. And so when I wrote it, I was hoping that maybe this is somebody's day off. And I wrote it with the intention of it being an easy read. I don't claim to be, you know, some fantastic, amazing, like a Brene Brown or Anne Rand or, you know, insert your favorite author here. But I wanted it to be something that when you pick it up, you can finish it. And that has been the feedback that I've gotten. I love it. I've already gotten a lot of great feedback that it's relatable and helpful. And that was my intention. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed that we keep going in that direction. Oh, I'm sure we will. Now, you had a point when we were kind of talking about what we're going to talk about on the podcast episode. Your advice for people going through the divorce process. And so obviously you have said that you know, you need to be prepared. You need to understand it's going to take longer than you thought it was going to take. Take a break. But any other advice in terms of going through this with the other person? Because it's like you say, you know, I don't think that we expect that our partner is going to act the way they do during the divorce process. You know, it's like all of these emotions, all of these things are coming out. So what other advice do you have for people if they're deciding, okay, you know what? This isn't for me. It's time to get the big D. 
you know, there are a lot of moments where your gut and your intuition is going to speak loudly. And so from a client perspective, I would remember that I would keep a journal at the instruction of your counsel, because as you get closer to making that decision, the reasons that you're coming to that point, you may forget. And so whether it's a what would I miss list or a non-negotiable list, identifying who your support group is going to be, knowing in advance what that's going to look like, because there are lots of lonely moments if you do decide to go through with a divorce. The other thing is financial awareness, understanding what that looks like on the other side, because a lot of time and not to be traditional and stereotype, but a lot of time you might be taking a single income and dividing it among two households. And if you've got a stay-at-home parent, that is going to look very different. And so understanding what that looks like and knowing how you're going to make up for it, because you can't grow someone else's income for them. Mm -hmm. Another piece of advice is if you're going to go through the process, and I did this for my intact family, like I came up with it to help some of my clients, but I actually did it first as an intact family. And I created well, two things. One, I created a joint email account. The username and credentials are known by both parties, blended families. Everybody has the same credentials to this account. Everybody puts it on their phone. And it is the kid's calendar. It is where your coaches email. It's where your teachers email. There is no, I didn't get that. Or when is the parent teacher conference? It is that email address that everybody uses. Mm -hmm. And it has been so helpful. And also the court order or the parenting agreement, if that's what happens, is going to require notice provisions, right? So like I was saying about the sign-up sheet at the preschool, it's the same thing throughout all academics and sports. Like we're all going to need to be looking and going and coordinating with the same, the birthday party evites, like we're all going to go to the same thing. So one email address, it makes the life of your educators and your coaches so much easier than to have to contact individual people. Mm -hmm. The other thing is create another email address that is just for your divorce. And hopefully when your divorce is over, you can destroy the email address, delete it and everything in it and that you never have to look at it again, hopefully, but make it just for you and your lawyer, a place where if you're at home one day and you're looking at a file cabinet and you see a bank statement that you've never seen before, or you don't sign your tax return, somebody else does them for you, you can take a quick picture, email it send it, airdrop it, whatever it is you do to that email address that is a web-based email address, keep it there. And the more organized you are, the more cost efficient your lawyer should be for you. Because we all know it's not an easy process. No. I love the email address idea. I always say if you are in a high conflict relationship too, and you have to be documenting like things that are going on, it is really helpful to have just a special email address because yeah. I do think it's important to manage our emotions too throughout this time. Like it is the worst. You're having a great day. Life is good. And then you check your email and it's 
like a new lawyer's letter or it's like something that sets you off, right? So yes, the trigger. It's the trigger, right? It changes your whole day. <laughs> yes. You have that like full body experience. So having just a safe space where you can be like, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm in the space to check in on that bullshit right now. Yes. So I'll do that. But when you're not, it's not going to hijack your day. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Knowing what that coping mechanism is going to be. When I would get triggered, I would do push-ups, jumping jacks. Oh. <laughs> All those good chemicals go into my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get rid of it somehow because you don't get to quit being a parent just because it's happening. And even when your kids aren't with you, you have to still be present and be a parent. And so that coping mechanism didn't last very long, but it was good. <laughs> But you had a great booty going through your divorce, right? Yes, the divorce diet was kicking in big time. So Yeah. Now, last question for you. Let's talk about the step-parents rule when you're dealing with this. I have two questions. Okay. So I'm going to ask your advice. But the first one is, and I love this question because stepmoms ask me this all the time. Do you think a stepmom should go to court with their partner? I think you should ask counsel whether they think it would be beneficial to go to court in general, my answer is yes. You think they should go? I do. Really? Okay, because I think they shouldn't. Well, that's my personal opinion. You know, one, I want the judge to see the support system that my client has. Okay. There are no secrets. You are starting a new relationship where communication hopefully is better than the last. But aside from that, I want the judge to know, and I don't usually just want it to be the other parent. I want it to be whatever your resources and support system include. Like what else? Well, I mean, if you've got extended family that are close to the children, oh, okay. in my opinion, and in my experience, it has been helpful for the judge to see the support system that exists. In some case law, it looks at how extended family plays a role in a child's life. In fact, after 2008, when we saw relocation cases at an all-time high, that extended family became part of the equation for the court system in our state to determine whether relocation was appropriate. Because, you know, families were moving for jobs after 2008, for step-parent jobs, for parent jobs, and it was impacting custody schedules in a very big way. And so modification and relocation cases were really big. And so and I'm pretty creative when it comes to how I want to present a case, but that would be really important to me. That is so interesting. I like that perspective. Never heard it before. <laughs> I'd asked another lawyer and she's like, no, stepmom, stay home. You do not. And that's a Canadian lawyer. So maybe it's different in different situations too. It's very situation specific. 100%. Okay. And then look, let's talk about advice for stepmoms and stuff during the court process. Because I do sometimes feel like we can help or we can make matters worse. Agreed. The client is the parent that is a party to the action. And that is the person who ultimately makes the decision. And so first, understanding and having a very frank conversation with the lawyer and with your spouse, the parent who is the party to the litigation, is important. You know, I'll get an email from a step-parent. I don't even have privilege to speak to that step-parent unless the parent actually gives me the ability to speak because, you know, confidentiality and privilege is really important. And there may be things that the other parent might not want to raise with the step parent. So understanding what that is 
and where the parent wants you to play a role, because it's really hard not to be involved in that process as a step parent. So listening, understanding boundaries, working together on what makes sense because you're in the next chapter, but what is being decided might impact that next chapter. Mm -hmm. I do get emails often from new parents, from the step parents who say, this is what I'm feeling. And I don't have privilege to speak with anybody other than the client. And the client is the one who puts their head on the pillow at night and decides if the decision that they made that, you know, the testimony they presented, the evidence they presented, that's on them at the end of the day. Yeah. I like this perspective. I really do. Because, you know, there's a lot of like, let them deal with it. Like, don't worry about it. It's their past. It's their problem to deal with, which I totally agree with that too. Right. However, you're right. It does impact your future together. It does. And so there should be some conversation there. You know, with Darren and I, it's been interesting there's been times where I've been really, really involved in it. Like I typically am the one who will like deal with the paperwork, all the things. And then there's been times when, you know, he asked me a little while ago, he's like, we respond to that. Like, cause we had talked about the response and he's like, we just respond. And I said, I got to take myself out of this right now. Cause it's causing me way too much anxiety. Right. So it was impacting my ability to show up for our family so there becomes that stress too, right? Like the stepmom can take on so much stress from the court process. And maybe, not to generalize, but I do feel like women typically, we have a hard time shutting off <laughs> and we're constantly thinking about it. Whereas yeah. like, I feel like most of the time men can be like, okay, well, I'll think about that later. And then like actually think about that later. Whereas women were like literally always thinking about all the things. So it can become this situation that we're more invested in than our partner is. And then as a result, they're not even carrying their weight and we're doing all of the work to prep for their stuff. Well, and I would caution stepmoms on that if that's what they're experiencing. You know, this might cost more, but lawyers are more than willing to redraft or review emails and communications before they go to opposing parties because emails and text messages and all those things are probably going to be used as evidence. Another thing to consider is there's software out there. And the one that I use most frequently is called Our Family Wizard. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I have heard of it. So Our Family Wizard, you can actually give credentials to any professional involved in the case and they can go review the correspondence between the parties. Mm -hmm. This is hysterical, but there's a tone meter and it senses if the tone of your email is intense or attacking, if you will, or it might incite a response. Another resource that you might want to consider, especially in high conflict, there's an author, his name is Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y. Okay. And he has got a book and I call it Biff. Oh yes, I've heard of this. It's a great tool and resource for learning how to write an email that reduces emotion. And I mean, you could say, Hey, Darren, can you read this? Yeah. <laughs> and I need you to start writing these emails because it's causing me stress. But the nice thing about having somebody else work on those emails for you is it might remove some of the emotion that maybe Darren might have, mm -hmm. or that the actual party might have. But learning how to write an unemotional to the point, kind, 
email when you're managing co-parenting and blended families is really becomes important because there is a lot of communication. It's a special kind of art. Yes, it is. And it is exhausting, especially in high conflict cases, reducing the number of emails between the parties, you know, to a week. Several states in the U.S. have something that they're called parenting coordinators. Have you heard of these? I have heard, yeah. So I'm a parenting coordinator. There are statutes about how parenting coordinators work, but they are designed to help parents without confidentiality. They don't have to be lawyers. They also can be therapists. So no confidentiality, but they're designed, their purpose is to reduce conflict and make more effective communication between parents so that it is all about the children without the jabs, without the name calling, without the conflict. And so... Even in states that don't have one, I would bet that you could find some online resources for parenting coordinators. Mm-hmm. And we can add that to the team, right? We're going <laughs> to be on how we're going to yes. redo the system. We can add it to the team. Add it to the team along with a separate mental health professional. <laughs> yeah. And like a personal trainer. Yes. And a personal trainer to teach us how to do uh, better squats. So good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can everyone find you, Nicole? So at Nicole Sedoma on Twitter, Instagram, I'm still Facebook, LinkedIn. Hey, I still love Facebook. My Facebook page is booming. Yes, I love Facebook too. I'm working on Instagram. That was a new one for me. So N-I-C-O-L-E-S-O-D-O-M-A. Thanks. And the name of the book, Please Don't Say You're Sorry. Yeah, I will link that for everyone. And we're going to have to do this again because I feel like we could talk for hours. Thank you so much, Nicole. Yes, thank you. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review. It would mean the world to me. But only if you like the episode though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews and coaching sessions and live Q&As and just exclusive next level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? Just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week and I'm here to help you out. To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership and I'll see you in there.